This evening's reading is from Daniel 3, which can be found on page 886 of the Church Bibles. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image out of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual, and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, weren't there three men that tied up, were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, 
Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and the houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Excellent. Thank you very much, Lottie. Well done for all of those lists. A big question, which I didn't actually look at my preparation. What's a ziva? Does anyone know? No? I'll answer the postcard later, but there we go. Um, let's uh, pray uh, as we begin. Father, we uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for this story uh, of Daniel. Uh, and we pray, Lord, that as we uh, continue to see this outworking uh, of these men in Babylon, that, that you would hope both to, to challenge our own hearts, uh, but also give us a greater confidence in who you are. Amen. Um, does anyone know who this is? It's Latan Ibrahimovic, that uh, famous Swedish footballer. It's, uh, it's midsummer in Sweden at the moment, so I thought I'd show a, a Swedish footballer. And now, now Latan Ibrahimovic is, um, is undoubtedly been a, a very good footballer, but he also has got quite a, an ego. So here's just a, a few quotes uh, from you. Um, Sweden didn't make the 2014 uh, World Cup. Uh, so a reporter asked Slatan if, if he was going to go to watch. And he said, a World Cup without me isn't worth watching. Or, um, again, he said once that, 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 that Arsene Wenger actually asked him to trial for Arsenal when he was 17. Uh, and he said, I turned it down because Slatan doesn't do auditions. Uh, or perhaps, perhaps one of the, the, the biggest ones that he said, uh, he, a reporter was asking Zlatanovic if, if he knew the outcome of a game, uh, to which Zlatan said, uh, only God knows, and you're talking to him now. Uh, it, he's got quite an ego on him. But actually, in our, our true story from the Bible today, I think King Nebuchadnezzar would actually give Zlatan a bit of a run for his money uh, in terms of the, the, the grand ideas that somebody may have about themselves. Because uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he, in the middle of the plane, uh, sets up a, a, an image which is about 27 meters tall uh, and just under three meters wide. It's made of pure gold. Uh, 
I mean, I mean, just looking at it would be dazzling in the sun. It, it, it would be a, a monstrous piece of architecture that would leave no one in any doubt who the king was. And we're told time and time again in this chapter, you might have picked it up, that it was uh, the king who set it up. Verse 1, 2, 3, 5, 12, 14, 18. It's the king uh, who has set this up. Now, now, we don't know what this statue was. We don't know if it was a kind of a self-portrait or if it was a statue of um, one of the gods. Uh, but either way, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is clearly desperate that people remember him. Uh, if you were here uh, last week uh, when we looked at Don, uh, when Don spoke on Daniel chapter 2, uh, you remember that there was this great vision of another statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had in his dream and a, a rock that came and destroyed all, all different parts of the statue. So it's almost you can imagine perhaps maybe Nebuchadnezzar has this in his mind that, well, my kingdom won't last, but maybe my statue will. He's desperate that people will know. But, but he adds more than that. He doesn't just uh, leave it as a kind of an empty monument for people to go visit when they're uh, on their tourist adventures. No, he, he gathers people to it, which is when we have that sort of comical list, don't we? Uh, when he says he, he gathered the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magicians, uh, and then a, a verse later, the exact same thing. It, it's meant to sound slightly comical as we read it out. As he's gathering literally everybody who is anybody uh, to this statue. It's a big occasion. And then we have the other uh, comical list. The horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe. uh, All kinds of music. It's a big occasion for all people to come. But actually, Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do, I think, two things with that. Two quite You may even say clever things, or at least one of them could be clever. Uh, Firstly, as I said, he's trying to to build a legacy. He wants to be remembered that the mighty Nebuchadnezzar has done this. But he's also trying to unite the people. Remember Babylon is a conquering army. They, They go off to all lands, bring them back, all different gods that people worship and serve, all pulling in different directions, but, but if they've got a focus, kind of someone they can uh, unite behind, the God they must all worship, then it helps to bring people together. So in this one action, he, he's both trying to exalt himself, create his legacy, and also unite the people. But before we just keep going with the story, it's just worth just pausing a moment and say, like, are, we, are we different? Now, I suspect none of us have, have built a, a 90-foot statue in our garden. If you've done, you've, you've hidden it pretty well. But at his core, Nebuchadnezzar was, was longing to make a name for himself. He was longing for that, that legacy, that, that people would remember him, that he'd be fought well of. Now, at his core, Nebuchadnezzar was really worshipping the God that mattered to him, himself. 
And when we use Bible words for that, we, we would say that's sin. That Nebuchadnezzar was a, a sinner. He was somebody who, who replaced the worship of the true and living God with worship of something else, namely himself. And when we start to use that sort of language, actually it doesn't seem so alien. And the question we must begin to ask ourselves is, well, where are we building our own statues? Or perhaps put another way, what are the, the, the blocks in life that if you pull them away, you, you feel like your life will crumble? Uh, the, the late Tim Keller would, would say, uh, fill in this blank to this sentence. I will feel happy and my life will have meaning if dot, 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 dot. What, where is, what, what fits into that bit at the end? I feel happy and my life will have meaning if. I'm comfortable, but the kids are doing well. I'm enjoying life. I'm happy. Just as you ponder that, consider this. Often there are multiple things going on at once, isn't there? There are things that are happening on the surface, and there are things that are going underneath, deeper. What we might call sort of surface things that we want, or surface idols maybe, and then they are often the result of deeper things, deeper uh, idols. Uh, let me put this in an example. Uh, imagine that you want a, a new phone. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but then you, you just fixate everything about this phone. So you, you go onto uh, YouTube and watch videos to try to decide which phone you want. Uh, you're, you're going to every price comparison site just to work out what the best deal is at what time to get it. Uh, your whole life is geared to getting this new phone. It's all you think about. We might say that's a surface thing that's, that's really fixating our attention. That's what we want. That's what's going to make us happy. But, but why, though? Maybe it's because we, we want this phone because actually uh, we think we'll be fitting in better, we'll be accepted. That acceptance is actually what we're after. Or maybe we get it because we think that people will think really well of us and it's actually our reputation that's at stake here. And the phone's going to deliver. See, we could go on, couldn't we? You could replace phone with a new kitchen, with a holiday to Disneyland. We have just time sitting on the sofa watching the telly. What is it? Where is it? It could even be by wanting to be that person that people turn to. Being the person in church that people turn to. Doing even church activities. I feel happy and my life will have meaning if for Nebuchadnezzar, it was building a, a massive statue. <laughs> but of course, what he really wanted was a, a legacy, a status, respect. 
That was what's underneath. So where are we building our own statues? What, what, what's going on in our lives? What are the, the things that perhaps we fixate upon and what are the things going on underneath? We do well to ponder. But, but let's um, get back to our story. Um, this is the, the point in the story, isn't it, now? Nebuchadnezzar set up his statue. He says, everybody must bow down. And, and this is the point where the tension builds. And if you're uh, making a movie of this scene, you know, what you do is you have the, the big wide angle shot, the, the, the statue in the background, everyone bowing down. And just in the distance, you see these three guys standing up. And then the camera zooms in, and they see there, they're the ones standing, everyone else bowing down. You're going, <gasps> what's going to happen? But that's probably not really how it actually happened. And did you, you notice that in verse 8 it said, at this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews, and they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, da 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 It's really actually that, that if they hadn't said anything, no one would have known. This wasn't them going, look, we're standing up. They were just silently, resolutely, not making a song dancing about it, standing. They knew their lines, and they stuck to it. Maybe even that, they're an example, they are an example that we need to follow of that perhaps silent resolution. They were under no pretenses. They knew that if they were caught, that that what they faced, they knew they'd be facing the furnace. They knew that. But they would not bow down. They knew that to worship the statue would be to reject the God they loved. So in their silent resolution, they stood Firm, because they knew there was only one true God. And that's what they were going to do. But I wonder if, if there wasn't all sorts of temptations for them not to do that. I mean, it would have been so easy, wouldn't it, for them to think, look, we've got these great jobs. We've got influence. Like, there's so many people here. Nobody's going to know if we bow down or not. No one's going to care if we bow down or not. Look. If we just do this one thing, we could do amazing things for God. God doesn't want this. We could do greater things for him alive than we could do dead. We could even bring more people into his kingdom. I have no idea if that went through their heads or not. But if I was in their situation, it would have gone through mine. A little bit of bargaining, because for the Lord I could do more things. But they're resolute. They, they know. They say, no, we will not do that. And so they're hauled before the king, and the king taunts them, doesn't he? And says, gives them that opportunity. Uh, and says, well, who's going to save you? You know, what God is going to save you from my hand? Almost going, because he didn't save you in the first place, did he? You got taken over. 
but they stand firm. And then those wonderful verses in uh, verses 17 and 18. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, they know that, that faithfulness to the Lord God is of, of infinite importance, of greater importance than anything. They know that God is able to save them physically. But even if he does not, he will save them. He, he will uh, bring them to himself and any going against that is just not worth it. To say uh, that God needs us to bow down, that, 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 that what I need to do here is break God's commandments so I can do greater works for God later, is to make God some impotent force who needs me. To say that he, he can't work without me doing something. No. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, show us what a, a life of faithfulness is like. They, they knew their lines. Along with Daniel, chapter 1, they, they drew the line in the sand at the food. And as an aside, I'm sure making that decision was easier than this one. But if they hadn't made that one, they wouldn't have made this one. Making the small decisions help them with the bigger decisions. So we need, just like them, to, to draw our lines. And remember that faithfulness to God is what matters most. But actually, when we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're really reminded of another. Because the reality is that, that, that whatever we face, however much we, we want to copy and, and be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and be faithful to God with everything we have and say, this is the moment, Lord, well, I'm going to give you everything. Well, we know that's not true. Because we know that we make mistakes. That we, we, we don't do that. We might want to, but it's just not how, uh, what happens and it's not true to life. But there, there is one who is. Who, in fact, even more so than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Lord Jesus was, was tempted, just as they were. Uh, tempted to, to take an easy way out, to find a path that would not lead to death. But he remained resolute and firm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced a powerful king, but a man nevertheless. Whereas the Lord Jesus faced sin and death. Yet despite all of those things, he was faithful to the end. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And why is that so important to remember? Because in those moments when we, we want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we're not when we fail, when we make mistakes, when we become more like Nebuchadnezzar, building our statues, there is one, one king, who was set up, who was raised up, not setting up a statue, not calling people to worship him at the, under pain of death, but who was set up as he was lifted up upon a cross. And who calls people to worship him because he died so that we would be spared. 
that our worship is not under pain of force or uh, pain of being executed, but under invitation of life. And when we remember him, when we remember the one who purchased our forgiveness, when we fail, we remember we will not be cast aside because he was faithful. He is my perfect substitute. Back to our story again. I mean, and we get to the point where the three of them must be cast into the furnace and it doesn't look good. The men who are sent there are, uh, die because of the, the, the heat. But yet as Nebuchadnezzar looks in, he sees, says, wasn't there three people? Why is there four? And it said that, well, one of them looked like the sons of God. The fourth looks like a son of the gods. And what is going on here? Well, uh, some say it was a a pre-incarnate Jesus, but some say it was just an angel, but the point doesn't really matter. Rather, it's this emphatic picture of God protecting his people, God with his people. This is God giving an answer to Nebuchadnezzar. Remember that? Verse 15. Which God's going to rescue you from my hand? Verse 26, he gets his answer. The living God, servants of the most high God. That's who. That's who's going to rescue them. Who will save you from my hand? The true and living God. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar goes further, doesn't he? He doesn't simply uh, sort of say, oh, well done, come out. He, he then gives that edict so that all uh, people may worship the God, the Lord God, without fear. Uh, at this point in our story, we're, he's not calling everyone to worship him. That will come later. But actually now he's saying that you can worship him uh, without fear, that Nebuchadnezzar's story uh, isn't over. But here, we see that the Lord is fully able to save his people. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we are called to that same faithfulness because we have that greater experience of the one who was faithful and to copy people like Polycarp, first century church father, who in his 80s was was threatened with death. And he said these words, I have served my Lord for 86 years and he has done me no harm. How can I deny my king who saved me? And he was given multiple chances to recant his faith, uh, but he wouldn't, so he was taken away. He was, the wood was uh, laden up and he was set fire. But the flames, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, didn't kill him. So he was stabbed there and then. Polycarp wasn't saved physically, 
but he was saved by his king, who has been faithful to him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't necessarily expecting to be saved physically. They were. But they knew their God would save them. See, the story today is being reminded that there is not one thing, no man, no beast, no situation, no employer, no devil, no person that can stop our Father bringing us home, who can be taken from his hands. We may not face a situation like Shadrach, Mishnah, Abednego. You know, recant or, or, or be killed. But there are plenty of brothers and sisters who do face that today, who'd be worried about uh, the church being stormed and coming in. And we need to, to pray for them. Uh, but even if we, we don't face that threat, uh, let us be clear. The threat of, of bowing our hearts to things other than the true and living God, uh, to slowly slip away more and more ground, that's a real one. The quiet, comfortable hove life that just draws our gaze away. To look upon other things as the, the most important things, the things that if I have these, my life will be happy and safe, secure. So brothers and sisters, we, we must stand firm. Stand firm, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Stand firm in the knowledge of who the Lord is. Because there will be moments of difficulty and trial, but God is using those to shape and fashion us, to make us more like his precious son, the Lord Jesus. But above all, he wants to use those to draw us near to him so that we know we will be carried home. Because God has set up, not a statue, he has set up his king on his holy hill. The nations may conspire, Psalm 2 says, but God has set up his king. He is alive. He will see you through. When Polycarp faced the threat of death, he knew his God would see him through. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the threat of death, they knew, he knew his God would see him through. Uh, so when we have the news from the doctor that says, I'm sorry, there's nothing more that can be done, we know he will see us through. When we uh, see the heartache of family members uh, facing turmoil and difficulty, and we long to help, uh, we know our God will see us through. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is the, the true and living God who has established his king on his holy hill. Our God is one who promises that there is nothing that will stop him from bringing you home. Because God has set up his king, the Lord Jesus. Our God will see you through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that confidence that we have, that we can look back and see the Lord Jesus, your King, established so that we know that whatever threat we face, whatever challenge we face, you will see us through. And Father, we pray that you would help us to cling to that, that we would see other uh, idols we may build up for ourselves as worthless 
as those who are unable to help and to see the beauty of Christ and this day to be more assured of his goodness and love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.